Now go. I think you are now ready. Ready to hear what happened. 100 years ago. The words of guidance you have been hearing since your awakening from Princess Zelda and herself. Even now, as she works to restrain Ganon from within Hyrule Castle, she calls out for your help. Welcome to Comics to Console Crusade. This is the podcast where Pat, Joe, and I comb through my extensive yard sale acquired retro video game collection to discuss the best and worst of comic book oriented video games. And today's featured game is... Spider-Man from 2000 on PS1, N64, Dreamcast, and PC. But before we get started, let's meet the host of the show. Yes, it's singular. We <laughs> finally get another Comics to Console crusade on the books, and Pat had some things he had to take care of tonight. So tonight it's a duo, but let me introduce the other half of the show for tonight. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask my partner, who is yet to be revealed... <laughs> the typical question, describe Spider-Man from 2000 on the PS1 and 64 Dreamcast and PC. You know, to keep that short, I'm just going to say PS1. Yes. The PS1. Shh, don't give away who you are. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's musical genius Joe November. We've got him but back. So welcome back to the show, Joe. But first, you, sir. three words on Spider-Man from PS1. I'm going to start with uh, homage. And the reason I say that is because you have the opportunity in the game to acquire all kinds of costumes that pay homage to the history of Spider-Man, which was a really cool feature. One of the bonus content things that people would mm -hmm. search for when they're trying to acquire things, collectibles in the game. And you can find some really cool outfits that show the history of Spider-Man. So homage is one word. The second word is actually uh, hyphenated, but one-liners because one Spider-Man <laughs> Spider is known for his quips and one-liners, and he was chock full of them in this game. Basically talking mess to everybody he met. <laughs> so <laughs> True. it was pretty, pretty funny to hear. The last word is 90s because of the music. It really reminded me of very, very popular genres of music in the 1990s, late 90s. Thinking like the Crystal Method, mm -hmm. um, Prodigy, Chemical Brothers. There was that type of vibe from the music. And so it was very 90s. All right. I think you exceeded your three word count. I did. <laughs> <laughs> And now I'll turn the question on my old friend, Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist. Jared, please describe Spider-Man using only three words. I didn't prepare. I would say my three words would be fun. It's a fun game to play. Clever. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to use homage. I don't think anybody's used that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. No, I, actually, you know, I'm going to cheat and I'll use a synonym. I say respectful. I think it was respectful of the Spider-Man property. Ah, this yeah. is not one of those games where they just kind of poop out a game with a superhero label on it so people will buy it. Some thought was put into this yeah, and, and some respect. And we'll go into that in a little bit. And having said that, now that you've met your host for this episode, which is, of course, Joe November and myself... I am going to throw it over to Joe to take a look at the specs of Spider-Man on the PS1 in a segment that we like to call, All Your Specs Are Belong to Us. How are you, gentlemen? All your base are belong to us. You are on the way to destruction. I love that title. <laughs> so, the release date for this game was August 30th of 2000, which was for PlayStation 1 and the Game Boy Color. And then on November 21st of that year, uh, it was released on the Nintendo 64. And then in the following year, on April 19th, it was released on the Dreamcast. And then later that year, on September 17th, uh, it was released on PC. The publisher is Activision. The developer is Neversoft. It is a third-person action-adventure type of game, and it's obviously one player. That's, that's all for the specs. So now let's go back to Jared, where he'll use his yard sale to eBay skills for a segment we call Cash Memory. Money, 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 money. 
how clever that is? Like cached memory. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I cut that the first time. Right, I just like to bring <laughs> it up every episode. Well, thank you, Joe. Let's look at the value of this game as it stands. As we are recording here in November of 2019, if you're listening to this in the far distant future, these prices may not apply. So, if you've got this game loose, and by loose I mean sort of disc only. Uh, there's a, a margin for this one, anywhere from $4 to $20, depending on the condition. But the highest end you're probably looking at if you have the game a disc only is 20 bucks. If you have it complete with the case, the manual, and all that, you're probably looking as high, low, $20 to $40. You might get up to 40 bucks for it. If you have it factory sealed still, I don't know why you would, because it's a great game. You should have played mm-hmm. it. But it paid off for you financially, because you could get anywhere from 80 bucks to 150 bucks. Now, would you consider those low numbers for a game like that? And I would so, not. For a no? PlayStation 1 and N64 game, those are good numbers. For Especially for like a PS1 game, disc only to be able to press all the way up to $20 ain't bad. Complete pressing to $40 is pretty good. Mm-hmm. I would say those are above average prices because, frankly, I think this is an above average game. Gotcha. I think people seek it out because it is good. Of course, mm-hmm. it's Spider-Man. Yeah. And, you know, as we've learned over the years... High grade comic book video games are kind of hard to come by. Granted, we've done a couple of episodes of this show now. I think this is episode three. Yes. And we've had games we liked, yeah, which is good. But they're not all like that. And eventually we're going to stumble on one that isn't. Yeah, we're going to talk about Hideline. <laughs> it's not a superhero <laughs> game. <laughs> and you may be asking yourself, how are we selecting these games? Once again, it pays to be a Crusaders Club member because we put the poll out to the Crusaders Club and we allow them to select from three, four options and we let the club select. So if you want to be in on deciding what we cover, all you got to do is go to patreon.com forward slash longbox crusade for as little as one dollar a month you could be voting on the show content you missed it. give me a dollar i missed it. how about it one dollar i got that plug in there nice come get in on this guys get in on it joe november is a crusaders club member yes sir and now that we've got all the pertinent information hashed out let's take a quick podcast break and when we come back we'll talk about the gameplay of spider-man Hello there, this is Jared Albrecht, a.k.a. The Yard Sale Artist, with a quick podcast promo for my show, Comics with Normies. Here's how the show works. Using my yard sailing skills, I acquire a random comic book from a yard sale. I then give said random comic to a normie, a normie being a person who doesn't normally read comic books. Then, on the show, I'll sit down with the normie to discuss the issue, get a real outsider's point of view, and see what some of the comics that we love and maybe not love so much, seem like to those normal folks we see walking around on the streets each day. It should be a fun perspective and good for a few laughs. You can check out the Comics with Normies podcast, along with some other fun-filled podcasts from White Rocket Entertainment, on iTunes and at whiterocket.podbean.com. And feel free to join the show using Twitter handle at Normies Podcast or on Facebook at Comics with Normies. Once again, you can find Comics with Normies on iTunes and at whiterocket.podbean.com. We'll see you there. Welcome back from the break. And now let's talk about the gaming experience of Spider-Man. We will discuss the game in the following categories. Graphics, game design, enjoyability, favorite thing about the game, and least favorite thing about the game. Mm-hmm. Then we'll wrap it up on Spider-Man from 2000 with our final verdicts and rate this game on a scale of 1 to 10. So let's get to it. Let's start with the graphics. Joe, give me your thoughts, sir. I remember playing it on the PlayStation as well as PC. Uh, but what I didn't know is that if you played it on Nintendo 64, the cutscenes were kind of like comic book cutscenes, whereas there was actually motion in the cutscenes for oh. the PlayStation and PC. I didn't know that either. I only yeah. played it on the PS1. I yeah. have it on the N64. I just assumed it had the same cutscenes. Interesting. It was basically said that Nintendo 64 version is like the worst of the versions as far as graphics is concerned. I thought that was very interesting. But that is uh, interesting. 
but for the time, it had great graphics. I don't think you could probably come up with anything better at the, at the time. So visually, it brought the Spider-Man universe to, to life. Uh, I thought it worked very, very well. Everything was colorful and splashing color. Nothing was really muddy or gray or anything like that. It was definitely a comic book feel type of game. I would agree wholeheartedly. It's funny to go back now when you look at the graphics are kind of polygony and a little mm-hmm. clunky, but... Like Joe said in 2000, that was standard fare. And this is a cut above standard fare. You're right. I'm glad you made the comment about being muddy and sort of gray. There's a lot of grays and browns and stuff in games back in this era. Mm-hmm. And they did a good job of spicing up the environments. And uh, yeah, I just completely agree with Joe. So moving on to the game design itself. Overall game design, you know, how they laid out their levels, how they did their variety of villains, boss battles, things of that nature. Joe, what do you got, man? I do remember that the boss battles were a little frustrating only because of the view that you have. Sometimes you can get kind of get lost with the third person view and it would make sometimes for a frustrating experience. Uh, learning how to swing with the the webs and things like that, getting the timing down. Once you get that, it's good. But uh, a very frustrating level was the uh, helicopter chase. (laughs) When the the helicopter is blasting after you, you had to keep moving. I remember dying a lot during that that part. Uh, So that part was frustrating. Other things that kind of annoyed me about the game design, and I think it's just because it's just a, a game where they're kind of teaching you the controls, where they bring another comic book character in to be like, press this button to do this and press this button to do that type thing, mm-hmm. which is cool. But then on another level, you're like, how come this person knows more about my superpower <laughs> than I do? <laughs> it does sort of break the quote unquote reality of the game yes <laughs> when black cat shows up to tell you you should hit square and then x yeah. <laughs> thanks black cat <laughs> to use your web i know how to use my web <laughs> i invented these webs <laughs> i thought that was very very odd but but on a certain level it was necessary maybe could they could have thought of a different character to to do that or just do like a you know just a screen that just explains it we'd be hit pause mm-hmm. or something i don't know Probably could have saved some money doing that. Now to think about it. Now, as far as the uh, game overall game design, there were some nice little puzzles like when you're trying to figure out how to get into rooms or something like that, and you had to configure your first person view to shoot your web up to go somewhere else into like a duct or something like that. So those were kind of clever. There were some kind of frustrating moments in the game as far as dealing with the battles, and that I think that was probably the negative that I'll say on this game. I got you. As far as game design goes, the only thing I'll add is I did like they obviously put in effort to do a variety of levels. This is definitely in the era of gaming where you get a lot of repetitive levels and games can get boring. Mm -hmm. It happens a little bit here, but they do just enough to spice it up to where, like you said, you know, there's a level where you have to outpace the helicopter. And then there's a level that's more like stealth ops as you're going through the building, like you were talking about the duct work and all that. Mm-hmm. Then there's a level where you have to, you know, stay on the subway train. There's a yeah. level where you have to chase venom, that kind of variety. They, they found a lot of variety in a limited atmosphere. I appreciated that. Good point. Yep. Good point. I did like that part of the game. I like, there was neat little Marvel comic nerd Easter eggs throughout. Like some of the buildings we have like Roxxon corporation, mm-hmm. not just Marvel Easter eggs, but never soft Easter eggs. You'd see advertisements for Tony Hawk's pro skater in the game on billboards. Ah, there's a big reason why, because the engine for this game was made from Tony. It absolutely was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was made from that, that engine. So they had to throw that in there. I, I, I noticed that too. <laughs> A couple of my other favorite things that came from the game design, and you mentioned it already, too. I like the fact that they brought in friends of Spider-Man. We saw Daredevil, Black Cat, Human Torch, Captain America, and the Punisher all in this game. I thought that was neat for the nerds. I did think it was hilarious that at the end, after you beat it, and (laughs) they're all playing cards. Daredevil's playing cards with the rest of (laughs) the Yeah, a blind guy's playing cards. But, yeah. <laughs> but he can read their heart rates and stuff. Yeah, he can read the heart rates, though. <laughs> so it's an interesting thing to have. He's got a serious poker face, for real. <laughs> <laughs> 
just a couple other notes I made that I liked as far as like the little Easter eggs go. I really like the way they between levels they did comic book covers that looked like the comic covers of that era. Basically, when you got to level three, it was a issue three and they'd have a little cover drawn up and they were good covers. And I thought, well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. And finally, we have to mention this as far as the game design and things they put in the game. Who was the narrator for the game, Joe? Who was the narrator? I mean, I know Stan Lee did. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Stan Lee, Excelsior, narrated the game, and you just got to love that. Yeah, that's that's a nice touch. God rest his soul. Yes, indeed. There's yeah, one more thing that I did like, like when it was doing a transition to a cutscene or when an action event was about to happen, they would freeze frame the whatever's happening in the middle and then kind of fade to gray. And I thought that was a pretty cool effect. Yes, they like freeze the spider spider emblem, yeah, zoom, and then it would yeah, gray. That was cool. Yeah, that, that was very cool. And then I, I was about to move on, but I just have to piggyback about what you said earlier, too. I think it was in your descriptor at the beginning of the three words. This game is legitimately amusing in parts with one-liners mm-hmm. and funny quips and things people say. Venom gets some lines that are absolutely hilarious. Oh, there's one where he's... <laughs> I think they're going into the records room. Yes. Daily Planet. Yes. And he's like, surf the web, surf the web. <laughs> he's like, shut up, Brock. <laughs> we have time. <laughs> That cracked me up. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, once he teams up with Venom, spoiler alert, if you haven't played the game, he will team up with Venom, and, and it's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, there's some great, great lines from there. <laughs> well, we've talked about a lot of positive things in the game design topic, so now it's time to move on to the topic of enjoyability, of which there is quite a bit. So what was your overall feeling of enjoyability of this game? Did you did you enjoy it, not enjoy it, middle of the road? What do you think, man? I mean, there was a few things that, that bothered me that I mentioned earlier, but overall it felt like a classic comic book Spider-Man game. You felt like you were in the universe of Spider-Man and that you were doing Spider-Man things. Mm-hmm. And it, it felt nice to be him and to do things that he would do in a video game environment. And so that part was was very cool. I think they did a really good job of making you feel like you are, you know, the web slinger. Absolutely. You took the words right out of my web shooter. <laughs> uh, that is one of the most important. I'd say that's the most important thing for a game to be successful on Comics to Console Crusade on our show. If you can make us feel like we're that character or immerse us in that world or both, which I think this game does, you're aces. And so I'm going to agree with you. This, the world they built and how well they made it to where you could be Spider-Man and feel like Spider-Man. I love it. Yeah. So if we had to pick just one thing from the game, Joe, that's your favorite thing, what's it going to be? I'd say just the ability to swing. You know, everybody thinks about Spider-Man and just, you know, his swinging from the skyscrapers. And I thought they did a pretty good job of emulating that in the video game. Definitely high on that as well. And if you think about it, too, when it comes to video games, there's lots of heroes that run. There's lots of heroes that jump. There's lots of heroes that fly, but there's only one. That swings like Spider-Man. So that's a mechanic you have to get right to enjoy the Mm -hmm. game. Yep. And you're right, they did. I think my favorite thing in the game, the swinging was really good. But just so I don't repeat you, I would just say the writing, the legit amusing writing of the story was pretty good. Mm -hmm. And a lot of video games, as we all know, the story is kind of secondary. You kind of sometimes skip through cutscenes. You're just like, I just want to play the game. This one was pretty good because from the get-go in the opening scene, somebody shows up as Spider-Man while Peter Parker's in the audience. So you're already like, who is this person masquerading as Spider-Man? So you have a mystery that goes through it. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think they move the story along well enough that it's an important part of the game. Whereas, like I said, in a lot of games, you're just like, nah, whatever. Just want to fight the next level. Yeah. So I'm going to give yeah. it up. Video game writing, especially in around 2000, wasn't a priority. But I mm-hmm. think they put a good amount of effort into it. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's a good assessment. And now it's time for the wah, wah. What was your least favorite thing? I bet I know what it is. And I bet we have the <laughs> same thing. <laughs> One thing that really, really bothered me, and I, it didn't bother me when I was playing the game, but just as I was thinking about it years later, you had all of these secondary superheroes that would meet up with Spider-Man, but they would never really help him. <laughs> <I> know, <right? laughs> they would never really help him. You know, Human Torch would be like, oh, man, it sucks to be you. Okay, bye. 
<laughs> I know. You gave him like terrible advice. You're like, shut up, Spider Man, and go away, <laughs> and just fly away. Like, what good are you guys? I thought you were supposed to be my boys. Oh, you got framed. Oh, he's all fighting symbiotes who have a weakness <laughs> to fire. But Human Torch is like, nah, I got other things to do. Yeah, I got better things to do. <laughs> I just got to give you sage advice and then bounce. <laughs> I read you wrong, man. I thought your least favorite thing was going to be what my least favorite thing was. But that's okay. I'm glad we got Friday in the show. And, and you kind of mentioned it earlier, too. A lot of times the camera angle would fight you. Yeah. It's just that early days of 3D gaming where it's tough, especially when you got to find the right duct to crawl through, mm-hmm. or you got to swing to the perfect pole, or oh yeah, when you're uh, on the vertical shaft and you yes. have to do the twist over, and uh, what <laughs> is yeah. this nonsense? Yes, and they really put that to the test. Although I think they do better with the camera at this point, which is good at the very end, because the very last thing you have to do to beat the game is escape Doc Ock as he's chasing you through tunnels, and you have to web sling and turn corners mm-hmm. and keep slinging. I think the camera was okay there. And it needed to be because it was challenging. Yeah. <laughs> I remember having to try that two or three times when I played this game originally. Camera angles bad and your friends who don't actually help you also bad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, those are just minor picadillos. At the end of the day, Joe, let's go ahead and score this game on a scale of one to ten. Five means it's average. It's okay. It did what it needed to do. I was mildly entertained. One means I hated it. Ten means this is a must-have in your comic book video game library. What do you think, Joe? Since we're kind of time-capsuling this type of game, you know, it's been, what, 19 years? Yeah, we're getting since old. It came out, <laughs> since it came out. I mean, this game could go to college right now. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I think I'd give it an eight. I think it does a really solid job of capturing the Spider-Man universe. It was a really, really popular game at the time. I mean, so popular that they're like, hey, man, we can't just have this game on one system. We got to have it on all your systems. Right. So, game got a sequel, too. They did make a sequel yeah. to it. Yep. They sure did. They sure did. So, yeah, I give it an eight. You know what? I'm going to be lockstep with you. I wrote down an eight in my notes before we did the show. There are better Spider-Man games. Mm-hmm. But the better Spider-Man games came later where more gaming knowledge had happened. Systems had been upgraded yeah. for its time capsule approach in 2000. I think it deserves an eight. And I think that eight still carries over to this day. If you just like to play video games and you like Spider-Man games and you've thought, well, all those old ones suck. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not fun and they didn't get anything right. I would encourage you to take a second look at Spider-Man on PS1 in 2000. It is a fun game. Still fun to play. You got to get used to some old clunky graphics. Yeah. But it's still a whole ball of fun. So we're agreeing on the eights. I'd say it's a whole web of fun. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> But Joe, yes, sir. Like we forgot something. What did we forget? I know what it is. Let's throw it over to Joe November, our on-staff musical genius, to talk about the music in this game in a segment called Superconductor. Let's talk about the music in this game. Well, first off, let me let me talk about what was my favorite piece of music in the game. I had a chance to actually look at, you can actually download like each of the MP3 files for all of the levels of the game. And there's mm-hmm. this one piece called Get to the Bank and mm-hmm. Bank Approach. And it's basically from the first level. It's kind of like a driving high snare when you're just on the rooftop in the very first level just maneuvering around and all of a sudden you fight a guy that's like that part was cool yeah that's that's actually my favorite i like that one too you know what i could probably play a sample of that track right now what say it ain't so Oh, yeah, that's definitely it. Least favorite? I think it's the boss battles. They all kind of sounded the same after a while. Um, you know, they're they're trying to create an environment where it's a very driving, a very urgent scenario where you have to beat this guy. Minor chords and lots of drums and very fast pace. And it gets old after a while. I was like, all right, I know I got to kill this dude. I could probably put this thing on mute and it wouldn't wouldn't distract me from what I needed to do. I could probably play that sad music now too. (laughs) 
one would, might ask the question, does the music represent the comic well? Mm-hmm. I think it does, but I think it's more indicative of the times of when it came out because mm-hmm. we were talking earlier about what the music sounded like. It had a very Crystal Method, Chemical Brothers type of sound. I mean, it could have been injected into the Matrix soundtrack or the Blade soundtrack. Good point. Uh, very good point. Because of the type of music that is. And I kept thinking of Get Busy Child <laughs> from the Crystal Method song because that's, that's the way the programming of the music felt like to me. But it was indicative of the late 90s, early 2000s type of music that was very, very popular. Yeah, you can download the sound bites. There are different websites. I didn't really find any remixes, though. No one really cared to do remixes from this particular game for some reason. I went to downloads.khinsider.com and you had to sign up through this website. And once you sign up, then you can download like all kinds of video game music. I found the, the video game music for this game on that website okay. and was able to check it out. But no one's doing remixes. No, no <laughs> remixes. Boo. So there's an opportunity for someone to do something cool with that. All right. So that's all for the superconductive musical segment. Let's throw it over to Jared to lead us in a discussion on how well the game captures the essence of the comic book in a segment called Reformatted. <laughs> I didn't spell it wrong. <laughs> I mean reformatted. <laughs> All right, I'm stepping in for Pat on the reformatted. <laughs> One of these days we'll fix that spelling error in the script. <laughs> stepping in for Pat on reformatted. And this is the part where we kind of touched on this uh, already, so we may not have a whole lot to add. But this is where we, where we ask ourselves the questions. Do the environments feel like the environments in the comics? Do the villains make sense? Does it have the look of the comics? Does it have the feel of the comics when you play? And I think we've pretty much already answered most of those questions. Joe and I went on a bit of length about how it did feel like the comic world. It did look like it. We felt immersed, except when we were taken out of it by those other characters. But one of the questions in Reformatted that we didn't answer is, do the villains make sense? And how did you feel about the lineup of villains? Yeah, they did make sense. They injected each of the villains into the storyline, too, uh, as far as this villain showed up. We got to take care of them. And along the way, we got to take care of this other villain. And, there, <laughs> and then there's a nice little twist about Carnage, the spoiler alert, working with Doc Doc to mm-hmm. uh, set up this entire plot. Um, yep. And now they were working together to create these, uh, is it symbiote or symbiote? Depending on which side you of know, the You pick it, man. Potato, <laughs> I say symbiote. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, creating these. And, and they were pretty decent foes to give Spider-Man a tough time. It was good to kind of inject a lot of the different characters in so that the player can be like, oh, yeah, I remember this character or anything like that. I do right. feel like they kind of missed one of the main characters that they could have had, which was Green Goblin. Yeah, no Green Goblin in this game. We ended up getting Scorpion, Rhino, Mysterio, Mysterio, Doc Ock, Venom, Carnage, Carnage. I think that's it. I think. Yeah, that's a good lineup of Spidey villains, but no Green Goblin. You know, maybe they were saving him for the sequel. We do have to remember, too, that this game came out in 2000. And the first Spider-Man Tobey Maguire movie was, I think, 02. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so I, for the movie. I think if it had come out closer, they probably would have found a way to get the Green Goblin in there. Yeah, but, I bet they would have. But that's what they did. And that's not a bad menagerie of villains. Ah, uh, Lizard. The Lizard was another one. Yes. And I will say this, too, and maybe it should have fallen under a previous topic of game design, but I did appreciate how in the early levels you fought thugs and henchmen, and then there was mutated lizard creatures in the sewer, and then there was symbiotic creatures as you got closer to the main layer. So while they all sort of acted the same and played the same role as just the fodder that you beat, at least they took the time to mix it up. It wasn't like henchmen all the way through. Yeah, yeah. I give them props for that. But when you take the macro look at it, Joe, and I think we've kind of answered this, but this is what we do in the reformatted section. Does this game do justice to the comic and does it feel like the comic? Definitely. I agree. Yes, it is. And now that we've exhausted the whole comic to game comparisons... And we've got it all figured out. Let's take another quick podcast promo break. And when we come back, we'll talk about our memories of this game. And we'll bring the show to a close. Hey, everybody. Clinton Robinson here. 
I recently attempted to sneak into the Longbox Crusade headquarters basement to watch some of the Albrecht Brothers action movies while the crew was out at the Saturday matinee theater. Too bad I had a little mishap and got stuck down here with no movies to boot. However, there are pieces of Pat's old podcasting equipment and excellent Wi-Fi service, so I decided to pass the time watching online fan films and talking about them. What, you don't know what a fan film is? Well, there are these non-theatrical movies that people post online of already established characters and settings. Hey, hey, hey now. Just wait and see. Save all judgment for what happens when you listen to Fan Film Fridays, a new podcast found on the Longbox Crusade podcast feed. Welcome back to the show. Now let's hop in our DeLorean, get it up to 88 miles per hour, and talk about our memories of this game, what was going on in our lives, in our segment called Save Point. Back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore, but some days I sit and wish I was a kid again. Back in the days when I was young, During our Save Point discussion, we'll give you some context for the time that our featured game was released by discussing video game news of that time. Uh, what was playing at the movies, and what were some of the chart-topping songs. Then we'll wrap it up with our personal memories surrounding Spider-Man on the PlayStation 1. So here are some of the notable video game releases for August of 2000. In August of 2000 on the PlayStation 1, they released Dragon Quest Seven. I've never played Dragon Quest. Oh, man. I thought you were going to be all over that, Joe. You no, let me down. No, I'll tell you who loves it is my wife. Yes, yeah. yes. I think you even rapped about it. I think I did <laughs> rap about it and some dad rap that we did. If you guys want to hear some dad rap, I'm going to play it right now. Go ahead. All right, now. I'm an old gamer. In my 40s. Time to tell my story. I'm a gamer in my 40s, and it started with Atari on a black and white TV, and man, I'm not even sorry. It was red square versus blue square, and imagination had to take you there, except for black and white TV, it was a gray square and a gray square. No high definition and no cellular phones. I had to pretend that gray square was Indiana Jones. Next came Nintendo. Talk about my mind blown. We had Link, Metroid, Castlevania, and Mario. How many lawns did I have to mow to get my hands on just enough dough? Man, you don't even know, but I did it for show, and I took my hard-earned cash to the Ran upstairs with my new Nintendo Moved all my He-Mans and G.I. Joes Picked it all up and what do you know? Same black and white TV, man, it's got to go Oh snap, 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 snap What I just see? Portable Nintendo and it's waiting for me They call it Game Boy and I can't wait to see All the sweet games that can travel with me We're talking Zelda, Batman, even Tetris for free Man, I'm hip deep in game ecstasy. First, I gotta buy some AA batteries. Let's see how amazing it can be. Power it on, and what do I see? A black and white screen staring right back at me. Now it's high school, make a minimum wage. Bought a color TV to join the modern age. I scored a used Genesis, and I thought I was all that. Cause I could use the blood code and Mortal Kombat. I got 16 bits on my color screen. I'm rocking something called Blast Processing. A blue hedgehog who runs really fast. But Nintendo hits back with a link to the past. I'm addicted to that Zelda, so I got to run out. And get that Super NES, yeah, that's no doubt. I keep glancing at my Genesis, man, what's next? Sega answers back with a 32X and a Sega CD to slap on the side. Man, Sega really knew how to pimp out that ride. Now I'm in college, Auburn University. My roommate has a PS1. Best roomie, showing up for class and making good grades. It's really hard to do when you're Tomb Raiding caves. That Sony game system, man, yeah. it's the joint. Metal Gear Solid, that game was on point. Castlevania, Symphony of the Night. There's no rhyme here. Uh, it's simply the best game ever. Nintendo drops the N64, Ocarina of Time, man, need I say more? And in these college years, no party was fly unless somebody busted out that golden eye. Now 
I'm married, scoring a PS2. Made sure she was a gamer before I said I do. She's into RPGs like Dragon Quest. I'm telling y'all, this girl's the best. I'm in the military. And I'm in Iraq. Seems every GI has an Xbox in their pack. That sucker weighs 15 pounds, that's the truth. It's the only gaming system that might be bulletproof. I finished my war, headed home at last. Got a big stack of games for Dreamcast. Underrated system with some really great games. D2 and Dino Crisis, just to name names. Out of the military and its civilian life. Just me, my boy, and of course my wife. Upgrading now to PS3, 360, and of course a Wii. Keeping up with my faves like Castlevania, Tomb Raider, and Legend of Zelda. The wife is still rocking her RPGs. Playing with the boy with the Lego series. And along with PS4 and Xbox One, my wife and I have our second son. With this many gamers, there's one thing to do. Buy some more TVs and a Wii U. So here I am, career wife and two kids. Not a lot of time for gaming, but I squeeze it in. I get a couple hours like once a month. Can't game all the time, but it's still fun. My last few rhymes are for the youth. So listen up while I drop some truth. When you're playing online with an old man, maybe take it easy on him whenever you can. Yeah, you're better than me. You play every day. I've got work, wife, kids, and bills to pay. So before teabagging me and calling me new, remember the old gamers who built this for you. Gaming, it got a hold of me. I found my first love with Atari. Yeah, that flow's better. Yeah, that's some dad rap right there. Broad dad rap. Good luck, Joe. I love you. <laughs> Welcome back from that as we are getting back to our... <laughs> As you, I know you're all enthralled, but we do have Shameless to get back plug. to the uh, <laughs> the notable releases for video games in 2000. I will say this: going back to Dragon Quest Seven, man, I remember my wife was fiending for that. Like it was one of those run out, buy it new, start playing it that day. And I watched her play. Now, frankly, I was impressed with the game. It looked like a pretty cool RPG. Speaking of which, tell us another game that came out in August of 2000. So another game that came out in August of 2000 was the direct sequel to a very, very popular RPG at the time, which was called Chrono Trigger, and the sequel was called Chrono Cross. This came out, I believe, exclusively for the PlayStation 1. It didn't do as well as Chrono Trigger, but over the years, it's kind of gained cult classic popularity, and the soundtrack is really really good i have definitely listened to the soundtrack before i was very impressed with it you ever played it i think i tried to i think i got interrupted by my work or something like that and Ooh. just never got into it because <laughs> uh, this was around the time when we first got into the military so we were just mm-hmm. lowly lieutenants that you know were just the peons in the squadron <laughs> getting all the menial tasks from all the superior officers so yeah i think i tried to play it once and then had to take care of some business and never got back into it i got got down with it about seven or eight years ago i busted out the playstation one i got the chrono cross out and i played it in the end and beat it nice and it was a good game and i remember enjoying it but i will say this when i think back on my chrono trigger experience from the super nintendo which i found at a yard sale for 25 cents what bam 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 I have a lot of memories of how good that game was and certain plot points of the game and it just left lasting impression. And while I enjoyed Chrono Cross, I don't have those lasting impressions. So that probably should tell you something. I still think Chrono Cross was good, but it didn't impact me like Trigger did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people will have that same sentiment, but between those two games. And the final notable video game release for August of 2000, you would have found this on the shelves along with Spider-Man on PS1, would have been over on the Nintendo 64. They released the very first Paper Mario, which is a beloved series to this day. So beloved, I never played it. So beloved, I also (laughs) haven't played it. We are bad hosts of a video game show. (laughs) Uh, Hey, you know, we just weren't into, we were into like uh, the top 20 games, not the top three games. (laughs) Well, I tell you what, let's see what was going on in the movie theaters at this time. Here 
are the top three grossing films of the summer when this game was released in August of 2000? Number three was Coyote Ugly which is uh, actually a movie I've never seen. I do know that exists. I do know that there's a club called Coyote Ugly. But beyond that, I believe I the Coyote Club it. is in the town that you live in. <laughs> yeah, there's one there in San Antonio. Yes, there is. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. I remember the movie coming out. I think John Goodman was in it. A handful of attractive women, a mm, bar. These are all ugly. ugly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ironically, they were not ugly, but I never did see it. I never saw yeah. it. Well, I'll bring us in with our number two movie that I did see. It's a film called Space Cowboys. It had James Garner, Clint Eastwood, and a bunch of other cool sort of older actors at the time. They kind of got them together to do a cool space adventure. I did see it, and I did like it. You got anything on Space Cowboys? I honestly don't remember if I saw this movie or not. I am familiar with it as far as, like, I knew that it existed and knew that Clint Eastwood was in it. I couldn't even tell you the plot if you held a gun to my head. (laughs) All right. You're terrible at this. You're terrible. Tell us what the number one movie is. (laughs) However, I did see this movie a bunch of times. And the the number one movie around this time was Hollow Man, which starred... I just drew a blank. (laughs) I think his name is Gary Sausage. No. (laughs) Gary Sausage. Um, Another breakfast meat. I know that. Yes, yes. Kevin Bacon. (laughs) Six degrees of him. We finally got to Kevin Bacon. The ironic part was this movie actually didn't do that great overall and even when you look at it on Rotten Tomatoes it only scored like in you know high 20s yeah Uh, oh man I liked it better than that yeah I did too I thought you know obviously it was a paid homage to uh, the classic Invisible Man or it was a pretty cool science fiction story there was some nudity in it because obviously he was going to try to watch girls get undressed and they showed (laughs) that and we're just like oh I actually <laughs> forgot that. I need to go back and rewatch all of it. <laughs> Am I crazy or was Elizabeth Shue the female lead in that? You are not crazy. And she is the, the female lead in this one. Yeah. She played, I think, one of the doctors that was just like, no, you can't do this. <laughs> He's like, don't try to stop me. <laughs> yeah. You can't try to stop me. I'm doing this for the betterment of mankind. Oh, no, I'm crazy, and now I'm dead. There, we get to Jeff's play of the whole movie for you. Actually, I can't remember if he died at the movie at the end. I think he probably did. Yeah, he did. He did. He sure did. But I do uh, remember watching it, and I do remember liking it. Yes. Box office, it made $72 million in the box office, and then it was available on disc in May of the following year. And I think that's how I watched it, to be honest with you. I think I caught it on DVD. Gotcha. But it made 72 million bucks. I guess Kevin really did bring home the bacon. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, let's move to our top three songs, which were playing on pop radio stations everywhere when Spider-Man on PlayStation 1 hit the shelves. And I will start it off at number three. It was It's Gonna Be Me by NSYNC. Why didn't we do this in like late April? <laughs> what happened in late April? Because it's gonna be May. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought my bacon joke was bad. Uh, I gotta be honest with you, I don't have anything come to mind for the It's Gonna Be Me by NSYNC. I'll probably know it when I hear it, and I'll play some samples for you right about now. anything on that? Did you remember that? I, I remember the song. I, mean, I just remember the, the tagline, it's going to be me, but that's about it. You know, I really wasn't into the boy bands at that time. I know they were very, 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 very popular. So the next one is Incomplete by Cisco. I think this was a love ballad. I, I actually don't really quite remember this one. The only thing I can think of is the thong song. <laughs> that's where I was stuck too. I can't think of how this one goes. Well, don't worry. I'm going to play it for our audience right about now. Bright lights, fancy restaurants, everything in this world that a man wants. Got a bank account bigger than it all should allow. Still alone now. Pretty faces, 
from the covers of the magazines From their covers to my covers Wanna lay with me Fame and fortune still are fine Just a poor man running out of time Even though it's So there's that There's that one <laughs> But the number one song I actually do remember. And the reason I remember is because of the video. So the song is called Doesn't Really Matter by Janet Jackson. The video really paid homage to the movie The Fifth Element. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it had Janet Jackson laying in the room. It looked just like the room that Bruce Willard lived in and putting on a futuristic suit and dancing around with futuristic looking people from that movie, it looked like. It was a very flowery, high-pitched type song. Oh, yeah, I remember it now. <laughs> Let me yeah. play the real version for everybody right now. Go ahead. I was not remembering it until I heard the Joe version at first. And then I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I don't think I ever saw the video, but you got me wanting to watch it now. So I was just doing some research on it. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Pretty cool stuff. Well, that's it for the movies and music. Are there any standout personal memories surrounding today's feature game, my friend? Do you remember where you played it, when you played it, any other memories of what was going on in your life? This was well before I was married. Like I said earlier, I was a lieutenant in the Air Force, single guy. I think I was stationed in San Angelo, Texas at Goodfellow Air Force Base and sitting there in my apartment and playing video games on the weekend and stuff because there's nothing to do there. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of my life back then. I guess. But well, you and I had uh, just cemented our friendship mm -hmm. uh, in late 99 and into early 2000. Yep. We'd gone to comm officer school together. So by the summer of 2000, yeah, we unfortunately went our separate ways. You were in Texas and I was in Hope Air Force Base, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you a dirty secret, all right, about this game and Jared's memories. Uh-oh. All right, everybody get close. I'm going to whisper into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> all right, this is back in the day where... It was well worth your while to go to the local gaming electronics store and plunk down 50 bucks to get your PlayStation chipped out so you could start playing burned games. <laughs> <laughs> and I went and I got my PlayStation chipped out. They would sell you already burned games for like a dollar a game. We're talking serious piracy here, people. Mm -hmm. I paid the 50 bucks. I still to this day have that chipped out PlayStation. Oh, man. It was the only way that you could play that band fighting game called Thrill Kill, which is just a jacked up dark fighting game and back in those times it was so cool to have underground games and be all in the piracy community and now i regret it i don't live my life that way anymore <laughs> but i did like plunk down the one dollar or two dollars whatever they were charging to get spider-man so uh, i played the pirated version i remember beating it at my brother's house he was stationed in atlanta and i was at his house when i beat it and i was really happy about that but i will say this i liked the game so much that when I did find a real legit copy of it at a store, and I think by that time it had been marked down to maybe $9.99 at Electronics Boutique mm. or something like that, I did buy it, even though I had the pirated version, just because I liked the game so much and I wanted it to be part of the collection. So I kind of redeemed myself, people. Yeah, this was back in the days when Napster was pretty huge. And, yes. Dude, uh, the world was pirated. LimeWire. Yeah. <laughs> everything. Chipping out your PlayStation. Did you ever chip out your PlayStation to play burn games? No, I don't think I did. I know what it means, and I know <laughs> that you, you could definitely play some pretty cool games. Yeah, that was yeah. back in the day. You could get like download a boot disc for your Dreamcast that will allow you to play burnt games. I'm telling you, I mean, I work <laughs> in a comm squadron, and for those of you that don't know, there's a bunch of computer nerds in the Air Force, mm -hmm. and man, we were all just bootlegging, chipping things out, <laughs> burning games for each other. It was a din. It was like the Moss Eisley spaceport, man. It was a wretched hive <laughs> of scum and villainy. <laughs> yeah, and that's why you can't do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we ruined it for we everyone. We ruined it for everybody else. <laughs> Good times, good <laughs> times. Well, let's go ahead and bring this show to a wrap-up. we got to give some shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. 
These are the fine folks who have joined our crusade. They enjoy discounts from my online store, which is theyardsaleartist.bigcartel.com. Buy something, won't you? You know, if you like Spider-Man, you know, I I do commissions. Mm -hmm. Give me money, people. But anyway, these Crusaders Club members also get early access to special long box episodes. They get to vote on show content. We're always doing raffles and giveaways. Trust me, it pays. These are the fine folks who are reaping those benefits and giving some much appreciated support to our show. Thank you for being a friend. Gerald Green. I, the collector. Joe Thomas. Joe November's in the house. Thanks for the support. Yes, sir. Angelica Wolf. Bill from the Bat Pod. Blast it or stash it. Braxton Underwood. Reggie Hancock. Ronald Wynn. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Steve Cronin. Ryan Daly. Bob Buster. David Capuni. David Collins. Gene Hendricks. Ivor Evans. Jeremy L. John and Maggie. Jose Poyo. Maxwell Travers. Miranda W. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Ross Michaud. Tim Price. Toronto Cop. There we go. If we miss anybody on the list, we apologize. Keep in mind, we record these episodes well in advance of release. So if you're a recent addition, don't worry, we'll be adding you soon. But if you're concerned or you just want to talk to Pat because he's lonely, you can send an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com. Now, you might be asking yourself, how do I get on this Crusaders Club membership? Just head over to patreon.com and search for Longbox Crusade. For as little as $1 a month, you can get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. You should come check it out. And if you don't have any extra scratch laying around, but you still want to help us out, would you do us a favor and give us a review on iTunes? We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to get a five-star review, but if you can't give us that five stars, you know, just move along. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, we do appreciate your feedback, and we do like to hear from you. And just remember, this show falls under the Longbox Crusade umbrella. You can find our fine programs on iTunes, Google Play, and most of your podcatchers, or you go directly to www.longboxcrusade.com. Or you can hit us up on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's all at Longbox Crusade. And finally, if you want to interact with us via live chat, be entered to win some free stuff on our raffles. Join us for our next Doing It live stream on YouTube. We do them on the second Sunday of every month. And we start at 3.30 p.m. Central Time. You get signed up for that by looking up Longbox Crusade on YouTube. Please subscribe to our channel. Click the bell so you get notifications for when we go live. And I want to thank Joe for being here with me today. And here's where you can find us on the Internet. Joe, where can they find you? I, on Instagram, I changed uh, my Instagram handle to at Joe November. Uh, which was easier than Josepha99. But I also do SoundCloud, which is at Josepha99, J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-99. And that's also my handle on Facebook as well. All right. And Twitter too, correct? Twitter as well. And of course, I'm at Yard Sale Artist. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, it's all at Yard Sale Artist. Thanks for joining us. And we hope you continue to join us as we go on our crusade to play play ball. ball. The music themes for this show are done by musical genius Joe November. Please check out his SoundCloud at josephlin 99 That's J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. I did not think it wise to overwhelm you while your memory was still fragile. So rather than that,